So good morning again, church. Thrilled to have all of you with us today. We're glad you're here. Thanks for coming to be a part of our services. If you want to know why the speakers are doing funny things today, it's because Charlotte is holding the most amazing little baby in the world. And if she's a little distracted, it's okay. Way cool. Hey, we're thrilled you're here today. Thanks for being a part of our services. This morning we're going to spend a few minutes talking about this topic, Don't Worry, Be Happy. There's an amazing song that's titled after the title of my sermon. I don't know how the guy ever came up with the title of that song, but it was a pretty cool song. Some of you may recall that from years gone by. If you'll hang around a few minutes after the service is over, you'll hear some of that because we're going to play it for you at the end of the service today. You know, oftentimes you and I are challenged with how to be happy in life. And there's one thing that I've discovered, maybe not all by myself. Others have helped me learn this over my years in life. Um, but some of you may have realized this as well. When life is in balance, when life is congruent, when what you're saying, when what you're thinking, when what you're speaking are all the same language, things go better. Have you noticed that? Things really go better when what's happening in life, what you're thinking about life, what you're saying to yourself or saying to others and what you're actually doing, when they're kind of the same, life is happier and life is much better. And so we're going to talk about that a few minutes because the thing that I really want us to focus on is not worrying. Do not worry. Do not worry. So here's a trick question. And I'm telling you it's a trick question before you even answer it. But by a show of hands, how many of you believe God when he writes things in the Bible? And you believe them to be true? Virtually every hand is going up in the room. Okay. So that none of us have any excuse for worrying anymore. Right? Okay, Brandon, you can come lead the invitation song. We're done. <laughs> it should be that simple for us. I mean, truly, it should be that simple. God said, through the words of Jesus, do not worry. So what's up? And uh, why is it that you worry about things? Why are you anxious about things? Worry. Technically, from the original language perspective, it means to be divided. Literally, to go to pieces. Any of you have ever found yourself kind of falling apart and going to pieces? Because something, no good, very bad, has happened in your life. Maybe it's an illness, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's an accident, maybe it's there's no money in the bank account and I have all these bills that are supposed to be paid. I could tell you stories about that. I learned that one the easy way and the hard way. We all can experience some of these things, yes? The Bible really talks about the fact that God will provide for us, though. There are a few verses of Scripture outside of the text that we're going to look at in the Sermon on the Mount, though, where this word worry is used. I'm going to look at those a minute with you just to give you a little bit of perspective of what God can do for us and can provide for us. He says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 19, when they arrest you, do not worry about what you say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Jesus is speaking to his apostles, to those disciples who are going to go out and be the first to spread the word. Chuck, this evening is going to have a class with the men at looking at some of the things the Spirit can do. I think the Spirit can still do this. 
Because I can tell you from personal experience, there have been more than one or two occasions in my life where I'm talking with someone and all of a sudden I really don't know what to say, but the words just show up. Ever happened to you? I'm not that smart. I'm really not. I'm not that smart. And I'm just crazy enough to try to do what God says to do and believe what he says. And that doesn't make sense sometimes from a human perspective, from a worldly perspective. It's just a little bit irrational. It's one of the reasons that I believe so strongly that Jesus is the Son of God and why I believe in Christianity. It's because it's the only world religion that doesn't make human sense. Because if you can explain to me unequivocally, absolutely, how Jesus was born of a virgin, we'll write a book and we'll make tens of millions of dollars. But you can't explain that very well, except it's what the book says. Okay? You cannot explain to me from a person from a purely perspective of human world kindness, you can't explain to me how Jesus could rise from the dead. Because if I'm not mistaken, he shed his blood on the cross. Yes? He shed his blood on the cross, but he rose from the dead. And I believe with all of my heart, because of all of the science that's been done and all of the years in studying the human body, life is in the blood. And without the blood, you die. If you don't believe it, go home and cut your wrist. No, not really. Don't do that. I'm just teasing. But if there's no blood in your body, you die. So how did he rise? And I don't think he was a ghost. Because he ate food. He ate fish. He ate a few times. I don't think a ghost would do that. There's a lot about the New Testament that's a little off-center from the rest of the world. That's what makes it so appealing to me. Maybe I'm just crazy. That's okay. I don't mind you thinking that about me. I think that way often. Luke chapter 10, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, the Lord says, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. She was all worried about preparing the meal and preparing the food, having things all set. Just like some of us get all worried and all upset because Sunday fellowship meals we don't have enough food or we don't have all the people here and you name the list and we can get all upset about it. And I have yet to go to a potluck where somebody went away hungry. I don't know how that works. I have no idea how that works. But I know that it does. 1 Corinthians 7. A married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. His interests are divided. Amen to that? Some of you are not married, you can't say amen to that. But those of us who are married, we can say amen. Our interests are divided at times. There are things that I do. There are things that you do. Guys, I know this about you. There are things that you do that you do solely and exclusively because of that gal that's sitting next to you this morning. Can I get an amen out of that one? At least three of you said amen. Yes. That is how we live. I was chatting with my wife coming to church this morning, and she was, she just kind of, Guys, does this happen to you when you're driving in the car with your wife? You're driving and she's sitting over there and she's doing something and all of a sudden she's just in another world. She's staring out through the windshield or something and she's just somewhere else. Does that ever happen to you? So it happens to me this morning. We're driving here and Lynn is just, she's been reading this book and she's looking out and she just stares off. I'm like, what are you thinking about? She said, a quilt. She said, sometimes I think about you. I'm like, right. And I told her, I said, let me tell you something. When you die, I'm going to bury you in a quilt. And then she's like, she started laughing. She said, which one? I'm like, no, 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 I changed my mind. I'm going to bury you in unfinished quilt blocks. That's what I'm going to bury you in. 
because she has so many. I have a storage unit full of projects that she's starting or hasn't started or just material that she has. And I do all of that. Guess why I do all of that? Because I love her. That's what we do, guys. And women, I know you do the same thing for your husbands. It's not just one-sided here. I know it's not. But you have to realize that this thing about being divided, this thing about having two things going on, is challenging to us as people. And that's what Matthew's going to teach us in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus records for us here in just a minute. Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition. See, this is, this is what I don't like about Paul. Just being straight up on it. I don't like this about Paul because Paul uses words that are so all-inclusive, so all-encompassing, he leaves no options. Don't be anxious about anything. So what are you going to do now? By prayer and supplication, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't it amazing what God will do? By the way, let me ask you again. How many of you believe the words of God? How's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? Because I know all of us who raised our hands, we don't do that all the time. We especially don't do Philippians 4, where it says be anxious for nothing. Are there a handful of us who are less anxious about things? But I'm telling you, human nature is so contrary to what Jesus is going to say in the Sermon on the Mount. It's so contrary to what Paul wrote in Philippians. Because we are built with this innate ability to worry about everything. I think I said that really loud because there was this echo chamber that was going on. Don't worry. Don't be divided. Guys, I want you to realize something. Here's, here's something I want you to get from the Sermon on the Mount. This is just a little summation, a little recap of the statements that Jesus makes in the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to realize that you and I need to be thinking with a oneness in our heart and in our mind with what Jesus said about all of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we're really good at picking out verses of Scripture and making a stand on that thing. We've done that. As a fellowship in the churches of Christ, we found our one or two verses, and we like them, baby, and we just hold on to those things. We all know what Acts 2.38 says. Yes? Amen? We could probably all quote it right now. The world knows John 3.16. We know Acts 2.38. And I'm not putting down baptism. Trust me, I'm not, because I believe it is important for all of us to receive Christ through baptism and make that decision to die to ourselves and to be born again. That's all a part of the deal. But, buddy, we know that verse of Scripture. We stand on that one. But then those verses of Scripture that say you're saved by grace, by grace you have been saved, not of works, we have a little bit more challenge with those because we're a little more comfortable with saying, hear, believe, repent, be, confess, and be baptized. Five points, right? Because you know why there are five points? Because you have five fingers. We like that. But we're a little bit uncomfortable with some of the other things that are in the Scriptures. We're not quite as comfortable with that. The Sermon on the Mount, the whole Sermon on the Mount is for us. Not just bits and pieces of it. Like, for instance, do not murder. It's not just don't kill somebody. It's like don't even be angry with them. There's a verse of Scripture somewhere in the Bible that says this. Do not let the sun go down on what? Your wrath. How come you know that? Why is it that you could quote that back to me just like that? And yet we don't do that consistently. Why is that? How is it that you and I can go to bed or maybe go weeks or days or months or years holding something 
against another brother. One of the sisters here asked me that maybe we should all stand up and confess how many of us went to see all those people that we thought had something against us this week. Because that's what we talked about in the sermon last week. I'm not going to make you stand up and show everybody, but I just want you to think about that again. Are we doing what God says to do? Don't commit adultery. That was the, the legal perspective. But Jesus says, don't even look at someone to lust after them. Do not give someone just a certificate of divorce because of whatever reason. Just because she put crackers in the bed don't mean you can divorce her. I remember years ago, a friend of mine, he's a preacher back in the southeast. He, he had his conversation with this lady. And she came to him. She said, I just believe that I need to continue in this relationship with this other man who isn't my husband and I'm not going to stay married to my husband. And, and he asked her, he says, well, why in the world would you do that? Why do you think that it's okay for you to go have this relationship with this other man that you're not married to and divorce your husband and go be with him? And she said, because I just believe God wants me to be happy. Seriously? God wants you to be happy. But not just because you like some other dude. That's not what it's all about. Don't break your oaths. Just let your yes be yes. How many of you are old enough to remember when a handshake was good enough for an agreement between two individuals? Any of you old enough to remember that? I remember that. I'm that old. I remember that. Now we can't even hire a preacher without giving him a contract. You want to know why? Because we violated trust so often. As people, not this particular church, but as people and individuals, we violated trust with one another so often that we won't do anything without getting some kind of a contract in writing. Isn't it amazing how the world has changed? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Turn the other cheek. Give to the one who asks of you without expecting anything in return. You see, the reality of these statements is that you and I, we can't accept the ones on the right or the left and mix them all up. It's not possible for us to pick and choose the things that we want to do. God has called us to live this way. He's called us to live the way Jesus has asked us to live. And you and I don't have the luxury of picking and choosing because when we pick and choose, then life is out of balance. We're not in balance with what God wants us to be. We're not in balance with the kind of person He wants us to be. And then all of a sudden, life is uncertain and life is unhappy and things don't go very well. And so, not only do we not need to worry, we really don't even need to be concerned about who our audience is. And I know there's probably not a single person in the church this morning that put on the clothes that you have that you're wearing right now so that you can impress somebody else in the church. I get that. But I do know this. I do know this about us as people. There are a lot of times that we'll go to a store to buy clothes and we, buy, we are buying them for a purpose. And it's not necessarily for us. It's because we want to make sure we look good for somebody else. Lynn and I were shopping a couple of weeks ago. Ladies, I don't know the names of these clothing items. I'm just, I don't wear them often enough to know. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. But there are these pants that women wear that like come to here. They're short. They're capris? Yeah, she has some of those. Lynn has capris. But she didn't have any shorts. I know what shorts are. I wear shorts sometimes. They go like right here. Now the only problem, the only problem was when we went into the women's clothing stores the other day to look for shorts, there aren't any shorts this long. They're like 
this long. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it was frightening to me. I, thought, I told Lynn, I said, I am so thankful to God I do not have a daughter who is a teenager right now because she would be so mad at me because I would not let her wear those clothes. And that, amen, yes, some of you have that daughter at home. I was in a store in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago and this lady comes walking through and she's probably in her mid-20s, maybe early 30s and she comes walking through and I promise you she had on a pair of jeans that looked like they were a thong and I don't mean flip-flop thongs. And I'm like, how can that even be called shorts and how can that be called blue jeans? There's nothing left. But that's what she had. And I'm like, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I don't have to deal with that. But people are buying that stuff because that's what's in the store. And I could talk about blue jeans, but I can't even find blue jeans anymore, even for guys, because they got all the stuff ripped out of them. And I'm like, why would I buy something that's torn up? <laughs> Just to look good, because that's what people are wearing. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not ashamed to tell you this. Who made this suit? Let me see the tag. Had some really expensive suits at home. Like, what's a really good suit store? Hart, Schaffner, Mar I don't know. There's some really good, like Nordstrom's. They make good stuff. You know where I buy my suits? Thrift stores. You know why I buy them at thrift stores? Because they're 20 bucks or less. And you may be thinking, Ed, why in the world are you telling me that? Way too much information. And that's okay. And I'm not encouraging all of us to start thrift store shopping, unless you just want to save money. But I'm like, why would I go to a store and buy a suit that costs three or four or five hundred dollars or more that looks exactly like what I can buy in a thrift store for twenty-five dollars or twenty bucks? I'm just cheap. What really blows my mind is when I send, to the suit to, send a suit to the cleaner and now it costs me twenty bucks to get it cleaned. I'm like, <laughs> I just go buy another suit. Guys, when you think about the audience that we're trying to impress, there isn't an audience to impress. There isn't one. The only person, the only entity that should, that should even be a part of our thought process and conversation as to who we're going to impress with anything is God. And if it's anyone other than God, what, what, what's it all about? Lynn came out this morning, and she's not even in here. She's in the nursery. I'm talking about her too much. But she came out this morning, and she had this blouse, and she said, do you like this? I'm like, it looks great, because that's what every husband's supposed to say. And then she put on this necklace. I'm like, it looks great. And I told her, I said, if that's what you want to wear, that's what you need to wear. It's not about me even liking it, and I'm her husband. Guys, our audience is God. We don't need to be like the hypocrites. When we give to the needy, we blow the horns. We let everybody know, hey, look what I gave. Hey, look at all I've done. No, 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 no. Don't let anybody know what you're doing. Give it away so your right hand doesn't even know what your left hand is doing. Nobody needs to know that stuff. When you pray, and we pray. I hope all of you pray. But Jesus says when you pray, don't stand at the temple at the front of the building and let everybody know and stand and beat your chest like the guy did and, and pray this great illustrious prayer. No, go into your closet. The only one that needs to hear it is God. When you fast, which is a whole other sermon, when you fast, Jesus didn't say, if you want to fast. He didn't say anything about fasting is going to last for a couple of years and then it's going to go away because the Holy Spirit's going to give us a word and then we have the whole fulfillment. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said, when you fast, 
Make sure nobody knows what you're doing. Because it's none of their business. That's a paraphrase, but that's basically what he said. And it's only God that counts. Store your treasures on earth. Huh, no. No, 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 don't put it on the earth. Store your treasures in heaven. This one's harder for us, guys, because we live in Orange County, California, and we live in South Orange County, California. And if you're not driving the right kind of car and living in the right neighborhood with all this stuff, people wonder. And they wonder anyway about us, even if you live in an apartment down here, because they just assume that you're super-duper wealthy. It's not about them. It's not about their perception of you. But where are your treasures? No one can serve two masters. And this is really the crux of the matter. Because when Jesus is talking about not worrying, what he's really calling us to understand is if you and I are worried about the things of the world, we're not going to be in congruence with our whole life. We're going to be out of balance. And when we're out of balance, we're just not going to be as happy and fulfilled and at peace as God would like us to be. So therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. Look, the pagans run after all this stuff. Jesus himself recognized that the whole world around him, those who weren't following him, those that were pagans, they were running after all of this stuff. They were building bigger houses and they were buying better clothes and they were going to the better parties in town and they were buying the best wine and they were doing all of the things to impress all of their neighbors because that's just what people do. And if you don't believe me, just look around. That's what people do. But we don't do that. Those of us who are the children of God, we don't do that stuff just to be doing that to impress somebody. Our lives are to be free from worry. Look, Jesus asked three simple questions. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? How many of you enjoy eating? I mean, literally, you enjoy eating. I could care less, personally. I, I mean, Lynn and I sat down this morning. I scrambled eggs and fried bacon. I didn't scramble the eggs. Well, they were kind of scrambled because I broke the yolk. But I was supposed to have fried the eggs. Bacon and eggs. And before she could even get her eggs cut up, mine are gone. I have eaten them. I mean, I'm done. I don't waste a lot of time eating food. There are a lot of foods I would taste. If somebody asked me, what's your favorite food? I would have trouble telling you what my favorite food is except ice cream. This week was, there was some day this week, it was National Ice Cream Day. I don't know which day it was. I missed it, but I saw it yesterday. I'm thinking I should celebrate today. Amen. Is today the day? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I didn't miss the holiday. I'm excited to get ice cream today. Now, I might opt for frozen yogurt, but it's close. Look, Life is more important than eating and drinking. Life is more important than the clothes that we wear. But do we really understand that? Do we really live that way? And I'm going to tell you straight up, a lot of us don't live that way sometimes. We just don't. We let the things of the world distract us. We let the pleasures of the world distract us. We let the things that someone else is doing distract us. We let the car that the neighbor bought distract us. That's life. That's who we are. And you and I have to guard against that because we're not called to live like the rest of the world. We're called to be the disciples of God, the disciples of Jesus. And that's just a little bit different lifestyle than the rest of the world. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Jesus made a statement one time. He said, you can't change the color of your hair. Now that was before they invented hair dye. But from the real natural color, you can't change it. 
I didn't shave yesterday. No, I shaved Friday morning. I didn't shave yesterday. I got up this morning. I looked at this stubble that was coming up. Dude, let me tell you something. If I grew a beard, Chuck, you got the whitest hair in the room. It would be as white as your hair. That's how white my beard. I'm thinking about being Santa Claus. I could do that. If it weren't for the belly that I needed, I don't want to do that. But why do we, we can't add a single hour to our life by worrying about anything. As a matter of fact, science will tell you if you worry about stuff, you will take away from the time in your life because it causes stress and it causes your body to do bad things to itself and it deteriorates the goodness and the wholeness and the healthiness of your body. So why, why worry? Your heavenly father knows you need all these things. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And you'll have everything that you need. So I'm bringing you back to this text because I want to spend just a minute here with this. Paul writes, don't be anxious about anything. That's the hard part about Paul. It are the words that he chooses. And with all of my heart, I believe the Holy Spirit had him pick that word. I don't think he just randomly decided, you know what, I think I'm just going to be all-inclusive today and put these words in there. I think that was on his heart because the Spirit of God put it on his heart. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. So what's left out? Anything but your health. He didn't say that. Anything except your finances. Don't worry about it. Just go ahead and worry about your money. Go ahead. It's no worries. Not a problem. Worry about your money. He didn't say that. Worry about your kids. Whether they're old or young. He didn't say that. He said, do not be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Some years ago, I was talking to an individual on the phone. That individual was very, very upset, almost crying. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And they live in one part of the country and there were some really, really bad things happening in another part of the country. And they said, I'm so upset and I'm so worried about all of those things that are going on over there. And I'm like, how did you know about that? She's like, oh, I saw it on the news. I'm like, then turn off the news. It's okay. Whether you believe it's fake or not in our world today, it doesn't matter. Just turn it off. Because I promise you, most of the stuff that you hear there doesn't have any real relevance to what's happening in your world right now in this place at this time. Be present right now where you are. Be with those who are with you right now. I love the fact that we can hear about all the things in the world. It excites me to know that we have the communication ability to actually talk to people that quickly. My son's been in Hawaii for the last eight or ten days. And I was texting with him and I'm like, how does this work? How can I send this thing and hit send and then he sees it immediately and he sends it right back to me and there's like that much of a delay. It's an amazing world we live in. But guys, control what you allow to affect your life. Because I promise you, you can't control the weather in another state. You and I can't control how there are people who are slaughtering others in another country and yet we'll stay up sometimes at night or days or weeks and we'll allow it to impact us and it'll cause us to worry about all of these things. And what does it bring us? 
I can make this really personal. Like right here. The last time you walked into a store, there was an individual in front of the store asking for money. When is the last time in this community you know about a situation where a child was being abused? And my question to you is, what are you doing about that? If it really means something to you, what are you doing about that? If money is an issue, um, what are you doing about that? I run into people all the time and say, I don't have a job. Why not? Now we're going to look next week at a few verses of Scripture at the very end of this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. It says, ask and seek and find. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to bring this all home. But what are you doing about the things that you claim to be worried about? Or that are really concerning to you? That's a harder one. When you and I consider the peace of God, Paul says, don't worry about anything but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide you, protect you. Guys, I'm telling you, this is a tough one. This is hard stuff for somebody that lives in the 21st century. In Southern California and South Orange County. Because the world all around you is trying to trick you into believing that you need all of these things. And if you're not careful, you'll buy into it and you'll get sucked right into that vortex and you'll find yourself worrying about things and being anxious about things about which you have no reason to worry or be anxious. So I want you to be happy. And with all of my heart, I don't believe any of us can be happy if we're not really trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We can't be happy. We can't be fulfilled. We can't have contentment. We cannot have peace in our lives when we're worried about money. Or when we are worried about our health. Or when we are worried about our employment. Or when we are worried about our grandchildren. Or when we are worried about our own children. And I'm using the word worry on purpose because when it causes us to have conflicted thoughts, when it causes us to have thoughts where I need to do this because this is the world that's telling me to do this, but I know that this is what God really wants me to do. When we're struggling with that kind of worry, we lose. We lose every time. We need to stand on God and His Word. How many of you said you believed Him? then why worry? Why not choose to live in His peace? And by prayer and petition, take everything to Him, and He will give you peace. I think this is a promise. 
You know, there's a story a long time ago in the Old Testament. Some people believe it, some don't. I do. I think it's true. But there was this time in the history of the world where God said, I'm done with all of you. I'm going to wipe it out. And he brought this thing called the flood. Remember that story? Noah built an ark, took him 100 years, brings in a few people, a few animals. They live in the ark for a year. And then there's this rainbow in the sky. And you remember why God put the rainbow in the sky? It's his promise. His promise to us that never again will I cause the world to be destroyed by a flood. That's not the only promise God ever made. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. But take everything to him in prayer. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind and your spirit. See, that's as much a promise to me as a rainbow in the sky. And I encourage you to stand on the promises. Maybe that should have been the invitation song. Standing on the promises. Remember that one? But we're going to sing, sing and be happy. Because I want you to sing and be happy. But I want you to understand that the greatest way that you and I can be happy is when we live and walk in the light of Jesus. And when we take everything to him in prayer, to God in prayer, so that he may truly give us the peace that passes understanding. All things work together for the good of those who what? Love the Lord. See, there goes Paul again. Those crazy words, all-encompassing. All things. That's a sermon right there I should preach someday. Brandon is going to come and lead us in this invitation song, Sing and Be Happy. All of you know it. Let me invite you to stand. If we can help you with anything this morning. If you need the prayers of the church to have peace in your heart, let us do that with you. Let us pray with you. We'll surround you. We'll put our hands on you. We'll pray for you. But we invite you to let Jesus be the Lord of your life and to be happy this day as you leave this place. If the skies above you are gray, you are feeling so blue. If your cares and birds seem gray all the whole day through, there's a silver lining that shines in the heavenly land. Look by faith and see my friend, trust in promises grand. Sing and help me happy today, press along to the Of the hell.
share this with you and then I'm going to lead us in a closing prayer. Please pray for my good friend Nicole and her family. Her dad very unexpectedly passed away in his sleep Thursday morning. As you can imagine, this is a very dark time for them all. He's getting cremated today. The shock really hasn't passed yet, so I'm worried that this will hurt them all very, very hard today. Trust me, it will. This is the hardest day they'll ever have in their lives. And I encourage you to just go be with them. You don't have to say anything. Just love on them. Because there's never a good day to bury anybody. There's never a good day to know that your dad, your, mom, your husband, your father, your uncle is being cremated. That's not a good day. But I know this. There's a God in heaven who loves them all. And as hard as this is for them, there is a way that he may use you to touch their hearts. So may we pray with you that that would happen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so very much for our brother, our sister who's come here and shared this with us. And we ask you, Father, to be with Nicole and her family and the loss of her father. God, it's hard when someone dies. But we know that that end will come for us all. So, Father, we ask your blessings upon that family. May you bring peace to them somehow, even through this darkest hour. And, Lord, as we all leave this place today, may we know that even through the darkest of night, the deepest valleys that we could ever go through, we as believers never need to worry because we know that you are on the other side of that darkness. The sky is always blue. There may be lots of clouds, lots of fog that block our vision of that beautiful sky, but it's always blue. And you're always on the other side. So, Father, may we all have the patience and love and endurance and wonder of your presence with us to know that you are through all things. And even through all things, you can be with us to make us into a people that are peaceful and at peace and contentment through all things. Father, we give you praise and glory for everything. We give you praise for this time. As we go our ways this day... May we realize that you go with us. May your spirit guide us in our steps and our directions. May you give us the words to say at just the right time. And may we say, as Paul, that we will be anxious about nothing. But with prayer and petition, we will give everything to you so that you may truly give us the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of Jesus, the church said, Amen. Amen. Song I wrote, I'd want to sing it.